going the distance against these teams and still getting a decent amount of play in. Hmm. Hello? Okay. <laughs> Hello? Kind of cut out there. I was the oh, only I one. I was like, what the? Yeah, was oh, like, yeah no, I was sitting here because everything was quiet when I was done talking. Like, uh, did they not like that answer? <laughs> but no, we reject your answer. Do it, do it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, sentence. I'm like, everything okay? Is the van guy back? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap, you found me. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, we'll be recapping the North Region Round 3 that took place uh, this past weekend, and helping me do so will be Rebecca, uh, Mark, Michael Riley, and Grant. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to butcher your name. I'm just going to let you guys go ahead and, and introduce yourselves. Uh, let's just start with you, Rebecca. All right, so I'm Rebecca Schapel. I play with Final Justice for Open and Pinch. Awesome. And uh, how about you, Michael? Next. Yeah, I guess I'll go next because Mark's not here. I'm Michael Riley. I'm the Catherine of Notorious, and I play open and pinch as well. And you go by Riley mostly, right? We kind of established that earlier. That's true. That's true. Most people won't even recognize my first name. I do go by Riley. Awesome. And last but not least, Grant. I'm Grant Harajan, captain of Windy City Corruption, and I played in uh, open division and co-ed no sting, uh, which is the first iteration uh, of that for the North region. So that's pretty exciting. Awesome. Definitely get back to you for a second, Grant. But uh, Mark will be joining us a little bit later. I guess he's returning from a baseball game, so we'll be sure to hear about his experience when he does return. And then um, Eric Stone will be joining us this time. Uh, I'm not sure why. I forgot why. But um, the good thing is we get to hear some new voices. So first of all, Riley, thanks for hopping on and um, pretty much like helping us cover a little bit more pinch. Uh, we, we've been kind of skimming through it in the previous recaps, so hopefully we can get a little bit more insight. So no pressure there. And yeah, then, glad uh, to be here. Awesome. Yeah, and then and then Grant. So um, real quick, like, so I was told you kind of have like a like a broadcasting background, so I just kind of wanted to ask about that real quick. Um, can you just get Yeah, so I went to DePaul University, um, and I guess that was the dream, so to speak, was to get into uh, sports broadcasting. Uh, my whole family is very competitive. We grew up playing sports, so naturally I would watch professional sports, um, pretty much all of them, you know, NFL, NBA, all that stuff with my dad. Um, picked our teams, rooted for them. I got invested with the players. Um, you know, I would see them. Uh, uh, we would go to games and stuff like that. I would see Sports Center and stuff, and I was like, man, I really like to do that, you know, report on the games. Um, and then, you know, got to uh, seeing play-by-play, figured that'd be something I could do. Uh, at DePaul, we had a great station there, uh, Radio DePaul. Um, it's an award-winning college station. We've got, like, state-of-the-art radio boards. Um, there's great training there, so once you step in, you know, it's pretty easy to get involved with that. So I used to call um, our men's and women's basketball games, uh, women's softball uh, while I was there, play-by-play and color. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. I also hosted my own show. Um, I hosted like a Bears pregame show nice. um, on Sundays. And then another show of mine called uh, Let's Go Bowling, um, which was kind of like a sports variety show. Um, and so, yeah, I did that for uh, three years at DePaul. Um, really enjoyed doing that, and uh, you know, broadcasting is something that I've 
always enjoyed and excelled at. So uh, Eric Stone is the one that approached me uh, about this and asked if I could, you know, fill in for him. And I sound like a wonderful fit. And, you know, here I am right now. So, yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed broadcasting. Did that at the Paul for a few years, hosting my own show and calling games. So it's good to be back in the in the broadcasting game. Awesome. Well, again, welcome, guys. And then uh, looks like Mark uh, joined us. So, Mark, we're just kind of going over introductions. So, if you just want to reiterate um, who you are and team name, we can we can dive right into uh, biggest takeaways. Awesome. Yeah, Mark Trapetti, Chicago Task Force. Uh, this right, uh, round played open and co-ed no sting for the first time. So no pinch again, huh? Nope. The team has transitioned to a no sting team. Really? Okay. I don't take this the wrong way, but I never thought I'd see the day. Um, when I think pinch, I know. yeah, like I, I just think that's a staple. Um, that's crazy. I'm guessing you you agree, Riley? Yes, I do agree. I'm a very diehard pinch fan. Well, well definitely. Yeah, I think we'll front load pinch uh, when we get into to the bracket plays and recaps, but. Um, so biggest differences, I mean, so I have the, the same quote from, from Nico last from last round two's recap, and that's just basically, I mean, you got to bring your, your team's best play. I think at this point, it's kind of like a, like a given, but um, I, I mean, aside from just the team stepping up and, and playing harder and harder each, each, um, each round, uh, we can start with you, Rebecca. Was there any, any big differences that you noticed or any, like, I guess maybe consistencies from round two to three? There just seemed to be an increase in competition, and it seemed like teams really prepared for this last round. Uh, we had Legion finally join us, which Legion was a nice welcome surprise for Pinch. They took us to a Game 7 in playoffs. And then the teams that did play Pinch, it seemed like all of those teams were still very close in the matches that they ended up having in terms of, you know, total points, what the score went to, whether it was out of six, out of seven. Um, everybody just seemed to bring their A game. There wasn't really a weak link for anybody on the team for those that were, or that seemed slower to start going into round two that might have still had a little bit of rust. Uh, everybody seemed to be sharp and on top of everything, and all the games were pretty much really close. Gotcha. Yeah, that's kind of what I was expecting. I mean, I'm not trying to blow off... Uh... You know, again, Nico's quote, but then it's just, you know, round one, you're, you're coming out of, you know, a little bit of a hiatus, maybe summer break, what have you, or what the equivalent would be. Round two, you're slowly kind of getting it together. And then by round three, like uh, this is, I would say, almost a pretty good preview of what Nationals is going to look like because everyone's got their, hopefully the roster solidified. They've got the, uh, I mean, all, all Russ is off, as you said. Um, real quick, because I, I don't want to forget him. So Peyton, um, just kind of want to talk about him real quick Rebecca how's how's he looking just because you, you keep feeding me you know videos of this kid murdering people um has he increased in skill or is he finding like a good balance or do you have anything to say about him so he actually didn't play round three as well as three of our other starters um our team's battling with some injuries right now and we decided that round three would be the best time to sit to make sure they're healthy for nationals gotcha so we actually had Three guys on injury and one guy just got surgery. So shout out Jack Hilt. Hopefully he's, you know, good and ready to go for nationals. But other than that, yeah, um, we just kind of put a team together, got these guys out there. Uh, Peyton, I mean, Peyton's still 
a monster. He's unbelievable at this, at this entire sport of dodgeball. And I think this rest is going to be exactly what he needs for his arm to come out completely fresh and just absolutely destroy some people at nationals. Well, looking forward to seeing that, uh, in Austin. So see that in a couple months. Um, how about you, Mark? What would you say like your biggest, uh, takeaway or difference would be from, from round two to round three? Uh, yeah, I think the first two podcasts, I talked about a lot of the parody that happened, but kind of reiterating a little bit what Rebecca said, uh, this round, you kind of saw the top teams come back again. And I don't think anybody had ever taken a round Robin, like not serious, but I think right off the bat, like right from 9am when we started, uh, the top teams you're used to seeing in the North were, were ready to go and, uh, round Robin, I think was even a little more competitive and we even struggled a little bit, uh, in round Robin. Just, I think we got, we got other teams better games earlier in the day than what we were used to, I think in the other rounds. Gotcha. And, uh, so, so this, this will be interesting. So rally, well, I mean, it's kind of like a twofold question for you. Um, because we obviously didn't get to hear like your input from previous rounds. Same thing with you, Grant. But like, what would you say your biggest takeaway has been? Um, just kind of recapping all the rounds so far. Now that now that they're all said and done. Um, let's see. If I were to recap all the rounds, I would say round three, like the co-hosts have said, has been the most competitive from the jump. It seemed like everybody understood this was round three, and it was the last almost trial run before the real deal set in where you don't have the uh, option to make mistakes. And so I agree with Mark that, especially for my team, round robin was to be taken seriously to almost playoff level. It was a lot of times teams coast or allocate throws in order to save their power. But I felt like this round robin, people were actually competing for top slots and seeds. And it was, it was kind of a dogfight right from the start. Whereas round one and two, you have injury, missing team, kind of warming up back to playing dodgeball. And I just feel like round three has a different weight to it when you come to this is the last thing we have before nationals. So is, is that what you kind of told your team? Like, um, like this is this is our last chance to get some a, like a good spot for nationals? Or, I mean, because you guys, I mean, you, you took first in open. So that was... Um, I, not a shock to me, but I was just like, you know, I was thinking Bush was going to take it just because they had been yeah. setting the pace. No, Bush is, first of all, Bush is phenomenal. I Every time every time I watch them play, I'm, I'm impressed by them. But uh, for my team, it actually wasn't so much anything of what I just said in terms of it's round three and we need to start trying and, and, and open more. It was more like I set the tone for the team in terms of I never put a value on round robin. I'm always, hey, let's save our strength till playoffs. Let's go ahead and budget so we don't get tired. And because fatigue is a huge component. But it's hard to flip that switch when you go to playoffs. If, if you've kind of just made bad decisions and, and enabled not best practice throughout round robin, flipping that switch to playoffs is a very difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I felt that setting the tone throughout the entire tournament would be easier to be already in the mindset. And I mean, it paid dividends, and so uh, that was a, a pivotal point in thing. We sacrificed kind of reserving fatigue to being in the mindset that we needed to be for playoffs. Just from, from game one, 
round will it just just go yep, absolutely allocate throws talk strategy never make a bad decision um basically in the playoff mindset from, from game one medals mode as we call it that's awesome yeah because i mean yeah. when we would talk about in, in, in across all regions too it was like hey would you guys now that it's single elimination do you guys coast at all during round robin or do you guys like save your strength and most of the teams would say no absolutely not we, we take it seriously from the get-go not saying that you guys wouldn't be but just that it's a really cool uh, concept or, or practice. Maybe just like, no, we can't uh, we can't coast now and then expect to flip that switch. Like if we just start with that mentality from the get go, uh, that might show that this might be consistent. And I mean, for I'm sure a lot of things could can uh, contribute to your win. But um, would you say like, are you guys going to handle that differently now, moving into like next year? Like just from now on, round robin is just as important as like the last game. Yeah, absolutely. We kind of talked about it. Uh, Wes and I, Wes Peters, and after round two, just because, I mean, I know I fatigue quickly, and when it when it comes to being a primary thrower, our primary throwers fatigue quickly. But we talked about kind of pros and cons of it, and I think we came to the the conclusion that we know we really need to set the tone. And round three proved to me and him and everybody else on our team that the tone is the most important thing, not not so much personal fatigue. So that'll be our absolute strategy going forward. Is round robin is is equivalent to playoffs in our mind that's awesome good stuff and uh how about you grant so kind of like the same question we threw at rally just you know overall rounds one through three looking at nationals what would your biggest takeaway be for uh for for you and your team uh still you know that same reminder going back to uh what trapetti talked about uh in the parody realm uh, i think that was most prevalent here in round three uh, basically, like any team could beat any team. You need those reminders every now and again. You know, we saw some notable upsets here, um, and I know uh, in bracket play in particular. Um, ourselves, we took out uh, Kraken in seven games. Uh, they were one of the only other teams contending that could have possibly taken uh, the North region, and so we took them out in seven games. That's a tough team, um, but that was definitely an upset. We were a 12 seed going into that. Um, Notorious, once again, uh, came out. I don't think anybody expected. And once again, it's, it's no disrespect at all to uh, Riley. We saw them out nationals. But Bush is an extremely strong team. Um, and uh, they took him and uh, ended up taking him out. So I would consider that at least a bit of an upset there. has been too. Took out Kaiju, who's been particularly strong this year um, in bracket. And then Storm as well. Uh took out Gamecocks in four games, St. Louis Storm. Um, and they also played exceptionally well against Bush. So I think a big takeaway here, particularly in round three, is, you know, any team can beat any team. you got to remind, uh, remind yourselves of that. you got to see that. Uh, Elite can be a very volatile game. Things can happen. Balls bouncing around, double kills, triple kills. It hits someone in the chest when they're not paying attention. It pops up and someone catches it. It's very frustrating to see, but... Uh, that's the game of elite, and I think that stood strong here in round three in particular. Um, uh, there could be, you know, little things influencing that intangibles, such as uh, I felt maybe I'm wrong about this, but the pacing of this tournament, uh, round three in general, I felt like we finished pretty well. I felt like uh, the pacing was was done pretty well. They really emphasized us getting to our courts, all that stuff. Um, and, you know, maybe at the start of the year, we're just getting into the flow of elite. But here at round three, you know, we're, we've kind of adjusted to that. Teams have adjusted to that. So the pacing might have been a little quicker. That could have influenced some of the outcomes. Right. Um, 
and other little things, other little intangibles. Uh, the balls, I felt like the balls were pretty good uh, for round three. They're a little squishier, I guess, a little easier to grip. Um, just because it's the third round, you know, they've been through so much use um, reusing balls, and so they're a little easier to grip, and that could have been an influencer as well. Um, but, yeah, throughout the season, a lot of new faces. Like we said, this Legion team coming out, um, players we've seen before. You know, they played at the GR Open. We saw some of them there. Um, Alpha kind of coming out of the woodwork, taking the number one seed from round robin. Um, so that was coming along there too. Uh, yeah, so a lot of newer teams that we saw out there. Frostbite, that's a team that's been added as well. Um, so yeah, Elite is growing. I guess that's another takeaway. Elite is growing. Um, and you can see it just through these teams coming out. Um, and adding new divisions as well. We had Pinch and now we're adding No Sting. Um, so that's another nice takeaway is that Elite is growing. It's being noticed. Uh, and, you know, now it's up to us to retain that growth and keep going forward. Uh, and then, yeah, I would just say that those are two of my bigger takeaways just from the rounds overall uh, and from round three as well. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's cool um, hearing different names. Um, I've known about Legion uh, just because I know Kevin Fry, uh, awesome kid. Um, I've, I've seen Alpha from round two just showing up as the number one seed um, and not everyone losing their minds, but you know, people like, who, who the crap are they? And then just seeing the you know, teams tighten up um, and seeing some of the, the changes. Um, I know I was trying to pull for like Borscht Bowl, which I thought was gonna be like Task Force and Boosh playing for the final, for the championship. And granted that didn't happen. It, it's still awesome seeing um, the evolution of, of these teams and uh, everything just tightening up um, from even how these rounds are organized. So I'm curious to see if that's gonna be the same for the rest of the rounds, uh, for the rest of the regions, uh, excuse me. Um, kind of wanted to just talk real quick about some of the differences. So Mark, you earlier, you'd said task force is no longer a pinch team. So was that like a consensus thing? Or was there any like uh, conflict in that? Or, or is that just, is, is that just the shape or, or the, the direction you guys are headed now? And can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, there was definitely debate within the team. Uh, round one, we did play pinch uh, kind of just due to some, nagging injuries and the fact that it's tough to practice it. Uh, you can't get a lot of people at, at uh, open gyms or get a lot of rec people around to practice it. That when it, it, it is a style that if you, if you get kind of out of practice with it, it's a little bit rougher on the body. Uh, I think some of it also had to do with the fact that some of the new teams that come in from the NCDA are quite adept at it and playing it consistently. And as I think we kind of figured it round one, if, if you're not fully committed to it, it can be a little tough on you. Right. Uh, so we, we kind of just decided that with no sting coming up, we, we were all kind of down to do that. And we even ended up splitting into two different task force teams. Uh, to split our eight-player roster and get multiple women on the team to play. I think, I don't know, we'll, we'll always love Pinch. It's never something we're going to not support, but I think we just kind of have moved on at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I, just to go back to like, so like Jordan and these kids are coming from NCDA. I mean, they're, they're playing pinch constantly. And, um, unless you are, um, going, I think hundred percent in pinch, especially of all things, like you're, you're kind of leaving yourself subject to just getting wrecked. And, uh, I think that's, I mean, if that's the, if that's just the change that's happening up in the North, uh, I mean, that's, that's great. As long as you guys are still around, I mean, that's probably the more important thing. Um, and I kind of wanted to go into like this. So last, last round we kind of talked about like this idea or this concept, like a, like a pinch drought. Um, and this is why it's awesome to have you on here, Riley. Um, is that, is that fair to say like, and maybe Rebecca, you can kind of chime into cause you're part of that conversation last, um, last round, but, um, I don't want to say it's pinch dying cause that's, that's just like going way, way too extreme, but is, is there still going to be pinch in the future? Like one, two years out or maybe you can take that rally. I mean, I would even say pinch dying is a fair thing to say. Mm. And I say it in the utmost disgust because I hate that, but I do think it's a fair statement. I mean, less and less teams are playing pinch due to this movement of to go to no sting and, and try to convert into the more accessible style of dodgeball. It isn't to have such a sharp learning curve and basically to grow the sport, which is an argument I understand, even though it's not an argument that I think holds weight when you come to the actual gameplay of it. But that is besides the point in the fact that I do think pinch is dying. And... Do I see it dying in in one to two years? I mean, the realist in me says yeah, but I I, I truly hope it doesn't. I mean, that's that's right. that's the part of the game that I love. That's what I grew up playing. That's how, that's how I learned the game, and that's why why I came into elite so I could continue playing pinch. And I mean, if pinch leaves, notorious obviously isn't going anywhere just because we're a dodgeball team. But I mean, we're going to do everything in our part to always play and and encourage the the division to stay around and other teams to stay around. And, and I think as long as the core pinch teams kind of stay around, then, then pinch will be a thing. But I am worried about its its longevity. Yeah, and I, I kind of feel you on that because, like, I mean, not – it doesn't – it's not like 8.5 rubber is the same as pinch, but same thing. Just this transition into foam and nosting really just kind of irks me a lot like it, it just it sucks and I, I i think even rubber um ultimately is probably going to be out the door within the next i don't know five to six years and just like oh you like my. well that'll be the end of the story so that <laughs> like yeah, we're done <laughs> once rubber's out i'm out yeah it's, that's, a, that's a hard line i can't cross yeah and i, I wonder who else feels that way and i'm not yeah, trying to uh, what's that noise again it sounds like a semi truck just passed by <laughs> it did <laughs> it sounded like a vibrate on a phone Oh, that's probably. Yeah, that was mine. Sorry, I was silenced. It. There okay. It well, at least Grant. God. First. I know. I'm too popular for my own good, Riley. First <laughs> and last time ever podcasting. You're you're done. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like it's. I, I I hate to even think about it, but that's. I mean, the Arizona used to be notorious for having. Uh, that was definitely not a pun. We used to be just well, very well known for for rubber, and we've almost completely phased out uh rubber now um not even by choice it's just if we want to play rubber we have to practice uh at a at a gym somewhere and because the only dodgeball here is foam and those things so i, I mean i hope rubber doesn't ever go away but i, I kind of feel I, I kind of share the same sentiment like if, if it's gone it's gonna be really hard to want to stick around um just because that that's what i grew up with that that's what i've known and it's foam is just a different uh different animal but to just 
to hear that if pinch does ultimately die off notorious will still be there that's that's kind of good i mean that that uh we wouldn't want to see i mean i say that with an asterisk in terms of i don't want it to be like a pro of like all right let's keep let's keep sliding pinch off the yeah yeah no that's not permission to get rid of it (laughs) yeah it's it's more of like an unfortunate circumstance that my love for dodgeball supersedes the division of just pinch yeah but i will be majorly upset (laughs) hey uh mike rebecca let me ask you something really quick did you kind of did you guys notice a difference in having like a nine team tournament or did it still kind of feel the same becca you want to start um i mean personally i felt like it felt the same um it was still nine teams but it's those nine pretty much core teams to the pinch division that i think would be really good to add off of and since it was those core pinch teams the games almost seemed like there weren't really any blowouts or anything like that you were going the distance against these teams and still getting a decent amount of play in I felt like all the games definitely did go the distance because you had those nine core teams that they all know the game really well. They're not making a lot of, you know, uh, new player mistakes or anything like that. They're all playing at a high caliber. They're all high caliber throwers, high caliber catchers that games were finding themselves going to three and best of three for round robin and then to seven, six or seven in eliminations. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I guess from the, the outside view now, I think if you could keep eight, seven to nine teams as like a core, like we had, I think, nine or ten teams in co-ed no-sting, and it still felt like a full tournament to me. And I feel like if you could still keep that core and you're still going to get growth from other NCAA guys, I think Pinch can definitely still survive. Yeah, and that's one thing to piggyback off what Riley said about being a realist, seeing Personally, you can obviously see an elite right now that pinch is slowly phasing out. But in the NCDA, we're growing exponentially that I think as long as we can do well as the core group of pinch players recruiting NCDA players to join into elite and bring them into playing open and pinch, that pinch won't die. And we have plenty of people obviously working hard to make that happen and to help with the new teams. I mean, Yes, there was talks of Legion coming to round one and two, and they ended up never coming. But round three, they came, so we added a team to that, which was nice. We ended up having nine instead of the eight we had at round two. Uh, we have another team that still wants to come. We're not think- It's not looking like it'll happen for Nationals, but they're trying to get a full roster for round one of next year. So if they can, you know, we're adding another team right there. And yes, no sting, you do have the advantage of having the rec leagues that you can get rec leagues to make teams together. But the NCDA at the same time, and this is not bashing no sting at all, but these NCDA, these NCDA guys, like Mark said, are fresh. They know the game. They've been practicing consistently that they'll come in and the competition level won't exactly drop at all. It'll just gain teams that already know what they're doing. They just have to adjust to like, the rule set of hard boundaries and catches being catches off of no matter how many people it hits and stuff like that. All right. Just a, f- a few tweaks here there, but overall the, uh, the understanding of, of how the game works in a competitive environment, it's not going to be too much of a transition for them. Exactly. One yeah, thing I'm, I want to add okay. to the pinch division state right now is that although the teams are fewer, I really appreciate that there's less round Robin games. I, I absolutely love that because I'm exhausted at that point after playing a whole open tournament 
and I've always hated the amount of round robin games we play. So with fewer teams, naturally come shorter round robin, and it's just fantastic. <laughs> Is it so you guys just get straight into into the yeah, just like go the, straight into playoffs? I would even like like we just use the seating from open or something like that to go straight into playoffs because my body can't handle that much. Nope. Yeah. So I mean, this getting old. Yeah, this isn't like a direct transition, but so when I talked to Mark uh, about the Elite Recap, uh, he told me a story of you just getting hit right in the uh, right where it matters the most twice playing pinch <laughs> in Nationals, um, and I cannot pass up an opportunity to have you to hear that from from your perspective. So I mean, just real quick tangent, can you kind of walk us through that? Just because I I thought it was hilarious. I'm sorry, man, but it was just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. So <laughs> thanks for. Uh, Bringing up such a memorable moment. Of course. It's probably the worst I've ever been hit. And even like regarding face shots, it's, this has definitely been the worst double tap I've ever experienced. Uh, the first one, as some of the fellows out there were, will attest, it just hit the tip, right? But it stings like <laughs> And so it was, it was kind of in a recovery period. And then I like shuffled my way off to the side. And I got hit dead on the next time. And it was a... Uh, I mean, it was just a, it was a pain that's pretty much undescribable. I mean, it's 100% much, get it. It's yeah. like a lingering <laughs> exhaustion in my lower body. I don't even know how to describe it. Didn't you catch one of them? I did. I did. I catch the first one. You, you I thought that. you might have caught the first one, and what made it funnier is just you were just sitting there. That like might you couldn't go anywhere. That one was the tip one. <laughs> that one was the tip one, and I was just sitting there. I thought I like wobbled off the back end, and I got hit in the back, but. <laughs> Then yeah, I was just sitting there and got hit again. Oh man, well, yeah, that's a win. <laughs> I mean, and you and you you walked away from that, and you're still playing, and I mean, obviously you're you're fine, but it just it, it's enough to just get hit there with a regular overhand eight point five throw, but like a pinch of all things twice, oh, like yeah. that's that that was just something I was like, man, uh, that that sounds incredible. What what a feat of strength uh, this kid displayed. <laughs> pinch is a is a cruel mistress. I love every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh anybody catch what rebecca said about understanding that pain we're just gonna let that slide. i did hear that okay oh, about 100 percent relating yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh okay anyway um well let, let's uh let, let's actually since we're on pinch might as well kind of transition into the just the division uh especially since we can take advantage of the fact that we have um two people to talk about it now and um so i'm looking at the seating um and I kind of want to ask, let's see. So I'm looking at um, round three versus round two. And if I'm looking at it correctly, it looks like uh, Final Justice, you guys took first in, in the pinch seed. Uh, yeah, they did. Those guys played really well together for round robin. What, uh, what we was... just kind of had um, our core two that we basically brought in our two only um rostered original fj players that made it to this tournament besides myself basically cam and kevin just turned it on for round robin and pinch and just started annihilating a couple teams it definitely did some work in that gotcha and then uh notorious looks like you guys fell a little bit from third to seventh was it just the fatigue of playing open or can you kind of comment on, on what that was about yeah it was i mean since we went all the way to the Open Championship, and we had three back-to-back seven-game series. We were unbelievably dead. We were actually passing the ball around of like, hey, who can grip this? Because none of us could do it. 
and it was just uh, very unfortunate. Just the uh, the fatigue really hit. Um, yeah, I mean the fatigue's a major player. It's it's something you really have to consider when you're going into these tournaments, and especially at nationals, right? When you're going over a couple days, when the fatigue and, and muscle soreness is a chance to set in. That is like it's it's a definite consideration of how much do we need to win this game in round robin compared to to allocate throws, draw primary throwers, and and actually throw at full capacity to be ready to go at game time and not lose grip strength. Yeah, Especially open. I mean, even open takes grip strength. That, uh, sorry to cut anybody off, but I think that's where the no AC comes into play. Um, I know for us, particularly in no sting, you know, same as pinch, you know, we were pretty fatigued. End of the day, uh, just trying to keep our bodies, you know, rested and, and ready to go. We were just taking breaks outside because in the gym it was just so congested. Um and so I think that's where the no AC at, at this gym in particular uh, plays a big factor is who is uh, able to get their bodies the most ready uh, to take on that load uh, in the later in the later games of the day in those pinch brackets and in those no sting brackets. Uh, it, it's like I said, congested and, and it's really hot. <laughs> you really have to stay hydrated uh, and do those little things like take breaks outside, get some fresh air, and come back ready to go. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm, I'm glad because I, I did me- make that comment about the AC. And uh, it's, it's just one of those things where it's nowadays it's not enough just to, to play well. Like you have to play well with the team. You guys have to have a strategy. You guys have to have that synergy going. You have to learn how to pull each other's weight uh, or pull your own weight uh, for these endurance uh, events. And then you have to factor in like uh, what happens if there's no AC? What happens if it's really humid? Like there's just so many factors now that can can impact how a team performs. And that's kind of what I was picking on you, uh, Riley, a little bit. It was just like, okay, you guys won first. You guys took first in the 8.5, but then what happened with the division that I think you're most known for, at least up until this point, to see what uh, what could have impacted that and just kind of examine that a little bit. But um, I wanted to ask, uh, Rebecca, can you uh, can you comment about Legion a little bit? So that was a, a team name that, that's come up. Um, do you remember that match? I mean, it looks like uh, they gave Final Justice a, a pretty good matchup, four to three. What do you remember from that? If you were able to see it, or if you remember it? Yeah, so I actually was back to live stream that. Uh, definitely had some comments on the side, trying to talk through it and everything. And you know, I'm very, I am a very aggressive sports talker, so I was just running through everything. But those guys, uh, those guys played well. Um, we had a couple, you know, bad breaks in it where it would just be like, Legion would make two catches and completely swing momentum. And then we'd go and do, I think we were up 2-0 and we threw three catches in game three and all of a sudden it was 2-1. And then we threw three catches in game four and all of a sudden it was 2-2. And I looked at these guys and I was like, guys, the heck are you doing right now? We're tied up. And eventually... I just remember Kevin got really mad over something and Kevin just took over and I think he had 10 outs uh, in the last two points. Kevin. And Kevin Wynn, uh, not, not our Fry. captain. Okay. No, not Fry. Kevin, like, Final Justice Kevin. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, no. Kevin just took over and started just blowing through these guys. I don't know what got him so mad that God he did, but he was just barreling these guys over and once he took over it wasn't really a competition after that for in terms of throwing arms with that it just yeah 
just thank got God that, for Kevin. You just channeled that frustration of maybe seeing. He really it. did. I think we posted like the highlight video of it uh, to our Final Justice page, and you can just watch Kevin just blowing through a couple kids. Yeah, I mean, again, sorry, Kevin, for after listening, man, but like you guys are all you're all kids, so that. Uh, I mean, yeah, like, we're old. We can call these guys kids. I mean, I can. I don't know if you, you're all kids to me, but uh, I won't go there. Dude, I do know a few of the uh, Legion players. One of them, uh, Eric Xander, uh, played with us in Pinch Nationals this past uh, year. Um, he's got a pretty good throw. He's got kind of like the sidewind throw. Um, he's pretty easy to team throw with. He's pretty on target with those. And then his brother also played uh, Thomas Xander. Um, and they have great chemistry. I've played with the two of them before. Um, so that's definitely something that they could bring uh, to this Legion squad. Uh, and then there's this one player we've been trying to recruit for Corruption's pinch team uh, that's, that played with Legion this past round, Matt Botch. Uh, he's just got an absolute rocket, um, or at least he did an NCDA. I actually didn't get to see much of him now, so I'm not sure if anything's changed. Um, but he can throw from all different angles. I mean, he just throws insanely hard. Um, someone that I'm sure I think Riley could speak to this as well. He's probably played against him in NCDA. I can definitely uh, attest he does have a cane. Yeah, he, yeah, so he, he, he was on Legion, so yeah, they they definitely have some talent. But uh, yeah, well, awesome to watch for sure. We just we got uh, we had the advantage in that we luckily got him out first because as soon as we saw him throw, we were like, okay, well, that's who you know we're going for right now. Gotcha. And then they had. Um, Leon, I forget his last name that joined Legion, a Legion from Cleveland State, and he just had a couple trick throws. Here, uh, he honestly reminds me of like the new Miles Garner, where he's you know trying to get these behind the back spinning throws down and everything that you see Miles use throughout games all the time for Kaiju. And Miles luckily joined our team for pinch and took over my spot for this round. And Miles threw a behind-the-back spinner, and Leon came up and did the same exact thing to him. And they both just kind of pointed at each other and gave each other the head nod, like, all right, I see what you're doing, but I'm going to do it better than you this time. And it just turned into, like, the one-ups of trick shots for our playoff <laughs> game. Nice. I just, I, I don't know if anybody's going to I got that meme in my head of uh, Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man. Just like, what are you guys doing? But uh, That's I'll, kind of what it was, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Leon, like, Leon threw one, and then all of a sudden Miles threw one uh, right back at him, and Leon was just kind of like, "Whoa, hold up, hold up, Wait a who minute. the hell are you?" <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, actually, so right, did you play for the NCAA? And if you did, what what team? I meant to ask that earlier. Yeah, I played for Central Michigan for uh, like six years. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, another round of that, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was the captain of Central Michigan for some of those. And Central Michigan, don't they have, uh, was it three championships? Central Michigan? I think one. One, okay. Yeah, thanks for rubbing it in, though. No, I'm sorry. There's there something significant I'm trying to remember from talking about NCAA. We, we've been to the national championship five times in a row. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I rubbed Second that place five times in a row. <laughs> well, I rubbed that in twice A real now, Buffalo sorry. Bills story. <laughs> Way to go, Steve. Whoops. Yeah, thanks, though. Not a sore subject at all. Yeah, definitely not. Sorry to bring that up three times now. No, uh, it's it's perfect. <laughs> I got uh, one uh, MVP in my last season of Nationals, and that was uh, – I'll take that. I'll take that as a victory and walk away proud. Fair enough. Um, well, I want to talk about uh, your battle with, with Frostbite, so – 
kind of talking about how you guys, uh, man, just knocking you all day. So you guys, you know, seated seventh, but then you face off against number two seed Frostbite, took them four to one. Um, did you guys kind of wake up during that round, or what, what happened with that match? Yeah. Uh, Frostbite is a dangerous team in terms of their firepower. And I actually talked to Max after the game, who was their main cannon on that team. And I just kind of like talked back and forth about a little strategy and kind of how they could improve. Because I think they have like, the absolute ability to be a dangerous team if they just kind of understand the pressure and the strategy a little better and, and try to implement it as a unit or as individuals. And going in, we understood that, to put it bluntly, we out we could outmaneuver them in the strategy game, and we would just win on that. But we were missing our throws, and those mechanical errors uh, will just break holes in any strategy, no matter how good it is. And they were able to to use their power, their power throwers, and just start picking us off. And all of a sudden, we were like, "Whoa, we, we need we need to wake up here." I mean, this is playoffs. This is we're, we're taking teams lightly. We're in a mentality that that we should never be in. And I'm grateful that we were able to kind of bounce back and understand the fortitude we needed to have there and the seriousness. But they, they definitely caught us sleeping with just their raw throwing power. So I was grateful to have that team as the first in terms of a skilled team that we could outmaneuver and really gave us a wake-up call. Nice. I was going to say that they can jostle you guys so you guys can get back into a competitive mindset. Yeah, exactly. I can't agree. Frostbite is super dangerous and pinch. Aren't they? They're, like, they as soon can, as they figure it out, they're they're a contender. Oh yeah. There's just honestly, there's times too that you hang with them, and all of a sudden, it's just one little. I mean, this is the whole story of dodgeball, but there's one little sequence of plays, and somehow it just ends up that Frostbite is on like the lower end of those plays every time. That it ends up being like a four on four, and all of a sudden it turns into a two on five. And, but honestly, like. Once, like you said, once they start figuring it out, Frostbite's dangerous. Nice. So probably, we'll probably see more of them, hopefully, um, next year, along with Legion kind of moving up in the ranks and getting their um, getting the rhythm going. Absolutely. Elite has a sharp learning curve. That's for sure. I believe. I mean, my first year in Elite, I stepped out of bounds more times than I got out from probably getting hit. It's When you go to NCDA, which has those soft boundaries that you can have one point of contact in, to elite where if you put a toe out of bounds you're out um that is is a very hard thing to get used to and the distance is a hard thing to get used to there's a lot of things you need to get used to as a dodgeball player in terms of your timing and your speed and then once you figure it out which i think takes a whole season you become a much better team for it yeah and the teams that sit together throughout the seasons like you can you can tell a difference versus a team that will disperse and or try to rebrand as, as two different teams or, or go their separate ways uh the teams that hack it out, do the practices, uh, have some longevity between them. They, they definitely tighten up a lot, and you can see the differences. Um, at least Absolutely. I have over the past year of, of recapping. Um, going into your match with Kraken, uh, you guys lost that 1-4-2. Uh, do you remember any highlights from that from that match? Yeah, I, I do. Is this, this is a question to me, right? Uh, yeah, to you. Right All right, good. Um, the thing that sticks out the most is Ben Smart. That kid is a wizard. I'll tell you, he is this small kid on Kraken who's currently on Grand Valley's team in NCDA, and he's no known for his catching ability, which is phenomenal. I don't want to take that away from him with my statement, but his throw has developed unbelievably. He got me out 
three different times on a solo throw when I had a ball, and he snuck it past my ball. And I was – I don't want to say I was shocked that he was good, but it, his throw surprised me because I've never looked at him as a thrower. I've almost discounted him. And, and I think, too, with that, Ben – is like sorry to interrupt you with that. Oh, I think going. too with Ben is because in Grand Valley he's known as the catcher. You don't see him throw an NCDA that when he exactly. comes out and has to throw an elite, you're like, where the heck did this yeah. come from? I remember watching two of his hits on you, and I was like, dang Ben, like that was a good play. It was ball. a good hit. Like it was a it dove hard from a top down perspective. It it toe tagged. It wasn't like he never left it up. It was a quick release. It was I mean it was a quality throw and. It just kind of came out of nowhere, and that was like the highlight of what I think of why crack. I'm gonna say why crack can beat us is I didn't expect Ben Smart to take me out on a consistent basis like that. Nice, yeah, I know Ben Smart. He played with us uh, for Grit last year, um, and he was like he was introduced as somebody that plays in CDA and pinch. Was like, okay, so this kid knows how to take a beating. Like he's not some just random kid <laughs> that they found off the street. Like, hey, do you want to play dodgeball? <laughs> Yeah. So I felt good there. And then um, it took him a couple of games to, I think, get the, the timing down. Because obviously, you know, if you're used to catching a pinch throw, it might take a little bit to kind of, I guess, slow down, for lack of better words. But once he got that rhythm down, he was catching us in so many times. It was, it was phenomenal to watch. And I remember watching him make some pretty big plays uh, during the NCAA finals. So uh, it's good to hear his name again, but also cool. Like now he's he can throw, so definitely not going to dismiss him as yeah, just a catcher. He's a big time player, and I just want to give a quick shout out to Aaron Kraft as well. He uh, impressed me very much during our matchup in terms of like the pressure he applies and his accuracy with his throw, and always have a heads up play for a catch and stuff like that. He's a he's a developing player who I think is is going to be very good. Nice. I mean, he's already good, but we'll probably be hearing about him more and more. Yeah. Awesome. And then this one can go to either Rebecca or, or actually anybody that might have seen this one. So just the, the final matchup between Dynasty and Kraken, uh, I don't have the score here, but uh, do you guys remember the final outcome of that? Uh, personally, I don't remember too much. I think we left about halfway through. But, I mean, I did ref round two for them. If this anything like it was at round two, it's definitely a close back-and-forth match between those guys. I mean... First of all, you have Ray Franklin on Kraken, who's just an absolute cannon of an arm to have. And that guy, not to be mistaken either, makes some really clutch uh, catches as well. And then another thing to not be discredited with Ben Smart is his pump faking and defensive abilities for other teams. He has a killer pump fake from the side. He really does. Like, every time, there's such a little difference between his throwing motion and his pump fake that he has a great defensive ability to slow teams down. And I think that that's one thing that really helped propel them further into eliminations was their defensive play as well. Cause you have him, you have craft on the side as well, uh, playing another big arm and craft is also one of those guys that he's not afraid to throw a counter as you're coming up. And it always seems to be when you're least expecting it, that, it, he'll catch you. I mean, like, he'll catch you off guard so many times. But Dynasty is such a well-put-together team. And part of me is, part of me, as much as everybody, you know, cheers when Dynasty gets out, but <laughs> <laughs> part of me is happy to see them succeed without Kevin Bailey. I love Kevin Bailey as a player on the court. He's incredible. I have so much respect for him. But he seems to be, like, the face of their team. 
So the fact that Kevin didn't play this round and this team still succeeded just shows you how good they really are with Kevin. I agree entirely with that. Well, that was the same case for round one, wasn't it? Like he was out for because of an injury. I think. I want to say he was out for uh, round one. Um, I forget why. I was out for round one. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and it's. I mean, I mean, Dynasty. They're. I, I don't know what else to say about them. Like this was. I, I would almost say it was kind of like a repeat of round two, where it was Dynasty versus Kraken. And it sounds like Kraken just you know they're they're just maybe a couple couple of really good plays or clutch catches or good throws from from taking it maybe um next year but uh i mean when i learned more about the ncda i found out more about their history uh with grand rapids i mean whatever they have going on there is a solid program and it just speaks to the team as a whole and not just one individual so if you can take out uh an amazing player like kevin and still thrive i mean that's that, that's saying a lot about the, the rest of the guys there um, last match I want to talk about was, was the third place match, uh, same thing. So, uh, final justice and notorious, uh, Riley, how'd that play out and who actually won that one? Uh, we came out on top in terms of a two to one score and that was a battle. <laughs> I mean, it was grueling. It, it was almost painful to play in terms of both teams were absolutely exhausted. It was it was the end of the day. We've uh, both teams have already tasted defeat in the bracket, and we know we're playing for third, which is is much less driving than playing still basically in the tournament. And on top of that, Final Justice suffered uh, a, a big injury on the court with Kevin, uh, who's my brother from Central, and I got nothing but love for him. And uh, he went down and started cramping up super hard while he was on the court. And I mean, being the warrior that he was, he still played. But I mean, it was it was just hard to, I guess, play against that because I mean, I felt for him, and I, I didn't really, I didn't like seeing it, and it was just tough. But he played through it, and he was he was getting kills from his knees, which was crazy. Yeah, that was <laughs> it was crazy. And um, Cam from their t- uh, from Final Justice was making big time catches like big time players do. And it was it was a it was a grueling back and forth. I mean, it was like the long. It felt like the longest three games I've ever played. But we um, were able able to inch it out at the end and take the two one. Nice. Real quick, Riley, do you yeah. know how long our playoff match against you guys in round two was? No. Forty one minutes. <laughs> I knew it was long, but <laughs> I didn't. We hear watched it. <laughs> the film. They went through two other playoff matches and had six minutes to spare before we finished that match in round two. I, I feel like Final Justice and Notorious are always going to, like, yeah. they were always going the distance against each other. I think Kevin and I shared, like, 25 throws back and forth. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, it was brutal. But anyway, yeah, um, that's, how, that's how it went in round three. Speaking on the Final Justice aspect of that, I mean, obviously I'm biased you know, with Kevin being my boyfriend and my captain. But uh, that guy that guy has one of the biggest hearts when it comes to dodgeball and determination on the court and, you know, his will to win that he won't step off no matter what it is. I mean, he played with a dislocated finger at Nationals last year on his pinching hand in pinch playoffs uh, to try and finish a point. He cramped up both legs this time. And I just remember Wes Peters yelling over at me like, get him off the court. 
I looked over. I was like, do you really think I can do that? <laughs> and then he just stands up and makes like a three-quarter court kill with like a crazy dip shot on one of you guys. And I was like, you know what? He's fine. He's doing what he needs to do. <laughs> no, he needs to stay but, in there. <clears throat> but that's, that's how it always seems to be between FJ and Notorious. We're always going back to back. And like Riley said, Cam Caldwell just makes some absolute... He was playing out of his mind in playoffs for Final Justice. And to see us doing that with only two of our original Final Justice ro uh, roster members and still getting into a third place match. Granted, like Riley said, that's not where anybody wants to end up. But with two, just two of our original seven that we had at round one, at round one I, I could not ask more for that team of being a team of basically subs. That was awesome to watch. Great to play. I mean, congrats to you guys too, Riley. Like you guys, obviously, you guys play phenomenal dodgeball. You're one of my favorite teams to watch and play against. You're all absolutely amazing caliber players. But oh, come nationals, it's going to be different if we have this whole squad together. I hope so. Uh, there will be blood <laughs> come nationals. There will be blood. There will be blood. <laughs> Hopefully not for me, but, you know, whatever. If I have to take a ball to the face, I'll take a ball to the face. Well, and so speaking of that, so, I mean, we're kind of talking about how, I mean, North is seen as, you know, the capital of pinch. And so I, I would hope that we're going to see a lot of these teams um, at nationals now that it's in Austin. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to assume, but we'll see Notorious there, Riley. Oh, you absolutely will. Awesome. And then um, obviously Dynasty, hopefully we'll see Kraken, Gamecocks. Um, so I'm, pinch is something I don't play, but I'm, I'm. I'm really excited to watch and just see how it plays out. Um, I was exhausted last year, so I was just like, ah, I just want to go home. But um, yeah, just just following everybody and understanding the teams a little bit more. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And you know, we say there will be blood, but I'm hoping you know no one gets killed out there. But I do want to see some some good dodgeball. So we'll just see how how it plays out. So let's go ahead and uh, kind of move off of pinch. And then, um, I mean, this is no disrespect to any of the other teams out there for, for open or no sting, but just in the interest of time and the fact that it's 11 o'clock for you guys out there, um, I, I kind of want to just maybe breeze through the remaining divisions. Um, and I, I feel okay with that, just being able to actually take this one round and focus a little bit more on pinch because that's kind of been the reverse in the past. But um We'll dive into open, and what we'll do is uh, I'll just go line, not line by line, but but through each of you guys. And if you just want to give me like the the takeaways that come to mind, it could be during round robin, it could be during bracket play, or what have you. Um, and because you've kind of been quiet for the most part, Grant, uh, why don't we just go ahead and start with you? So looking back at open overall, what were some of the like the things that stuck out to you the most that you want to kind of cover and talk about? Uh, some of the upsets in the bracket, uh, for example, corruption over Kraken, um, Notorious coming through, playing against the really tough Boosh team, uh, taking them to seven and taking over there, uh, and then moving on to Dynasty and taking them out as well. Uh, and then Hasbins, who have uh, not had their fair share of success here in Elite, but coming out facing a Kaiju team that's very strong, uh, and they won that matchup as well. And then uh, St. Actually Louis Storm coming through Sorry. And taking out the game pox and four. So a lot of upsets. I think uh, we saw a lot of those here in particular in round three. So so who are and, and sorry for, for kinda of interrupting your your train of thought there, but has been who who are they exactly? Or who were they? they or? Team from Cleveland made up of uh, like former NCDA players. Okay. Um, 
and they call themselves the Hasbeens. That's their team name, which is kind of crazy, almost like a play on themselves. Right. Uh, I guess you know, talking about how essentially they feel like they have uh, not up to par elite skills, but they show that they uh, have made adjustments. Um, going back to like an earlier point that I made, that you know the parody is coming back. Uh, you know, that's a team that struggled majorly last year. You know, every time we played them, um, it just felt like they, they weren't up to par quite with a lot of the other teams, but they came out and were a lot stronger this year. Um, so teams have been making adjustments. Uh, you know, this is a volatile game and, and anything can happen. So you really got to stay on your toes. Well, yeah. And if you go ahead and take out the number two seed Kaiju, which is a pretty established team, uh, that's saying a lot. So maybe, um, Maybe they'll, they'll go back home and, and rethink their their team name, and maybe we'll see them or a different different rebranded version of them come uh, come around one next year. Um, you also mentioned offline Quinton's six v one, I think, or just, just yeah, trying to get so, you back on track. Yeah, yeah so uh, we, we're very up and down. This kind of the corruption way. We'll come into matches and get obliterated, and then go on and face another team. Um, and dominate it's just so all over the place but come bracket time you know we've, we've shown that we can resort to our a game uh we took out dynasty in round one that was a pretty big deal um round two a little more disappointing but this time coming around crack and we've seemed to have had their number this year um we've beaten them in every series that we played against them but uh you know their their foot was on the pedal for this one because they were still in contention uh to possibly take the north i believe they had to win uh, this round, I believe they had to win open, but they were still in contention. So with us knocking them out, that actually drove that Task Force Bush match to be officially um, whoever wins, wins that wins the North. Um, and so we got up 3-1 on Kraken uh, in this bracket. They battled back to even it up 3-3. Uh, and then in the final game, it was just Quinton, who is a uh, corruption is essentially the DePaul team. Everyone uh, most, or at least most players from Corruption came through DePaul Dodgeball. And so Quinton is just the latest uh, from DePaul. Um, I noticed that he's very sticky. He was catching a lot at practices and stuff like that, adjusting well to the game, brought him on for this year. Uh, and yeah, he won a 6v1 against Kraken, which was pretty insane. He was locked in, uh, made some dodges, made a, a push pass on Paul. Uh, Paul's a great catcher, uh, just kind of finished his throw in a manner in which he wasn't ready, and Quinton pushed past him, which is kind of like almost like a veteran move, a uh, crafty move from a player in his first full elite season. Um, so that was really cool to see uh, Quinton coming through in a, in a high-pressure situation and uh, coming through with two big catches, and we completed a six-on-one and uh, ended up eliminating Kraken. So that was a, a pretty big uh, moment for us over here in Corruption. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean six v one. That's not that's no small feat. Uh, I mean, shoot, even three four v one. Did uh was was Bush watching you guys? Were they really curious to see how that match was going to play out? Do you know? Or were they playing against Task Force at that time? Uh, I can't remember honestly. I can't remember if they were watching us or not. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> I can't say if they were. I know they were watching the uh, match against Dynasty that we had. Uh, anybody that's seen that video, you see Stone's reaction to Ham's catch on Colin is is pretty funny. Um, I think he even resuscitates Cody Foley in the corner. Um, 
but that's from round one. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if they were watching us or not. Gotcha. Um, how about you, Mark? What were your um, takeaways for, for the Open Division? Uh, I guess more of a, a self-view, which is we, for Task Force, we struggled a little bit uh, this round. Uh, I know a lot of us weren't happy with kind of the, the focus we had throughout the day. Uh, during round robin, we, we didn't play bad. We were just on the wrong end of a lot of close games. Uh, I think we lost, what, four or five in round robin, uh, which set up a earlier-than-planned meeting with Boosh. And uh, just from watching them a lot, they were they were running like a well-oiled machine all day. And it's it's tough to beat them when you're having a good day. And they just they they showed why they deserved to win the North. Just I don't think they don't have a weak link on their roster. What uh, the uh, emergence of Jeremy Bizzle? for them helps them even more beyond the talent we already know they have with Eric, Cody, Jeremy Meadows, DeMonte, Derek, Isaac. I don't know. It's they're really, really freaking good. I'm glad you mentioned Bizzle because in that survey that I kicked out, uh, Cody, he, he said uh, basically for feature Bizzle. I'm going to have to bleep that out because I don't like the F-bombs, but uh, was was that kid just on, on fire to an already well-oiled machine, or, or was he just like a, an additional compliment, or did he like do anything to ensure that Bush was going to do well? Or He's always been pretty talented, and I think the more and more exposure he has to Elite, he's getting more and more comfortable on the court size and just with everything that kind of encompasses like a, just having a comfortable feeling on the court and he's able to help run their offense right through the middle of the court. And, uh, not only is he hitting people left and right, but he's so quick that if you don't make a good counter throw on him, he'll catch it as well. Saw him do that a couple times. So just another asset to the, uh, to the Bush Bush arsenal for the most mm-hmm. part. Speak to him, uh, the statement of creature, uh, it's because, well, I've seen this a few times. Bizzle's body almost seems rubbery. Uh, um, multiple times I've seen him almost do this kind of matrix-like move where he stands up when his back is, like, touching the floor, and he's just able to twist his body in these crazy ways, um, which I think almost, like, helps, like Trapetti's saying, um, I remember seeing like one catch, I think in round one, whereas it seemed like he, he was almost practically parallel with the ground. Uh, he's just able to do these crazy contortions with his body. Um, and that lankiness, I feel like has really helped improve his throw as well. Uh, which seems like it's just, it's like a whip shot. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely improved a lot. And, um, Someone who I, I felt had a really strong round uh, was Jeremy Meadows. I saw him making a lot of catches, which we know he's a- able to do. He's capable of doing. 
Um, definitely more so known for that powerful arm that he has. I mean, have you seen his arms? They're gigantic. Yeah, he's got um, some guns on them. Yeah. But, uh, no, he had a very strong round uh, from what I noticed watching Boosh. Gotcha. Yeah, he's had a really good year in general. Just He doesn't get the same looks that a, a Cody or Eric does, but he's as essential to their team as the next guy. And it's You know when you play some teams and you don't normally take anything for granted, but you get certain people out on the court and you're, you feel like you're able to breathe a little bit. Right. When you're playing when you're playing Boosh, there's there's nobody on the other side where you feel like comfortable at all. There. Um going back to to Task Force though, I mean, so it the, this comment kind of started like it, it wasn't really your guys' day so much and you weren't able to get your momentum in time before uh, you guys were knocked out, but is this something that you guys are going to focus on um going into nationals like hey, it, it was just a bad day, we're going to write it off and we'll still show up in and uh, not not no pun intended but in full force for nationals oh uh, yeah absolutely like i don't think we played that terribly i just think here and there with either a lapse in focus and a bounce a bounce here or there it just we definitely didn't play as well in this round as we did in round two and it's tough because I, this was the the put up or shut up round and we we felt like we could have done better still. Gotcha. Well, like that's not to take away anything from anybody because uh, by the time bracket rolled around, it's like yeah, we lost four one, but every point was close. We felt like we were still right in it, but just just got beat in the end. Yeah, and I mean it's it's single elimination, so I mean it's it's unforgiving. Uh, if you let the game get away from you, you're, you're done. And who's to say? if you might, might come back during double elimination, but uh, that's just another part of the, the newest and in, in the changes that elites made is uh, you got four, well, you got seven games to, to make something happen. Otherwise you're going home. But um, I'm curious to see how you guys will, will, will turn out during nationals um, rally. Uh, we kind of talked a little bit about open and, and your guys's run, but uh, just kind of looking back, was there anything that you wanted to comment on uh, before we move on to, to no thing? Um, yeah, I actually want to shout out one of my own teammates, which, big surprise, is Kyle Bruce. I, he is a Saginaw NCDA player, and the newest, I mean, the most recent addition to our team, he's been on the team for a year now, but, um, he made some unbelievable catches in, in a sequence of events that brought us back into the Boosh series. We were down in the Boosh series, uh, three to two. And two to one as well, and he made this incredible catches to like swing us back and enable us to do a little comeback run. And without his efforts, I mean, we wouldn't be sitting at the top of the bracket as we did. So I want to shout him out for for being incredible in a clutch situation. And also, uh, I just want to. Mark was talking about earlier about uh, Bizzle. That is, I want to say one of the best players I've ever seen in open. Uh, just his all around game. Is, is phenomenal and as Grant was talking about how he moves like he almost doesn't have bones is is freakishly phenomenal and uh, he's always a pleasure to watch even if it's uh, I'm sitting on the sidelines because he already eliminated me but we were um, fortunate enough to go to combat with him today or during round three and, and get the better of him but 
I was very proud that we went three seven-game series in a row and, and earned our way to the championship uh, with kind of no questions asked. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say going uh, seven matches total with your match against Boosh and then on two Dynasty, that's it's a pretty solid win. I mean, that, that just really emphasizes um, where you guys are currently, which is really going to be really exciting to watch in Nationals. And one of the things I really liked about last year was just seeing that um, this wasn't like a solely for the West Coast to dominate on. Uh, there are teams now that are just just as brutal, just as scary, and just seeing you guys merge with other the teams that I'm more used to seeing. Um, like, wow, who, who the heck are these guys, or who's that? That guy's got a cannon, or that guy's got an incredible uh, catching ability. Just seeing that play out now, it's really exciting. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys can bring to to nationals. Um, how about you, Rebecca? What were your, uh, what would you say your biggest takeaways are for, for Open? Well, I'm going to copycat Riley here, but I'm going to shout out one of our own players, and that's Cam Caldwell for that match against Notorious that we did ultimately end up losing. But Cam went absolutely off Just the walls and animal. <laughs> I think there was what? He had like a great catch on one of your harder throwers. Spin yep. move hit on the counter, catches Wes Peters, and then just does this Point like blank. stare Point down. blank, he catches Point it. blank. Oh, yeah, that was incredible. Sorry, Wes. Okay. That was incredible. Cam's, Cam's <laughs> one of those players that when Cam is when Cam is like on his game like the, he was against Notorious, he's probably one of the most versatile people in the North region. But he's so low-key about it that you don't really like realize who he is until he starts going off and you're like oh crap that's him okay great and then there's just nothing you can do about it because once he's on a roll he's going but also to go off of what he said about Kyle Bruce Bruce is probably also one of the most clutch catchers in the north for you guys that he's slowly but very quietly making a name for himself yeah he had to take a minute to get acclimated Oh, yeah. I mean, which, I mean, it does for everybody, but now that I feel like Bruce really has an understanding of, like, elite rules play and, like, everything with that, which did not take him long at all. That that guy's an animal for you guys as well. Um, as far as the rest of Open goes, basically, I didn't get to see the rest of the bracket. We went and I um, helped to co-run, like, women's. But for our match against Notorious and then our open up to that, we had the pickup of Sean Wheeler, which was, I mean, <laughs> Sean Wheeler's insane. He's fantastic. So he is. He really is. He was, And he was a great uh, pickup on our left side with the loss of Peyton for this round. Definitely did some damage from that corner. Had a couple good comebacks for us against, um, let's see. Well, I had a four-on-one comeback against Legion. And that brought Wheeler in, and Wheeler just kind of cleaned up the rest of it. Uh, we had we had just some great matches overall, and that especially again, like I said earlier, to reiterate, having at this point with open three of our original members on the team with us still doing well. Granted, we you know seated thirteen, but we worked with Sean as a sub, who's never played with us before or our style before, or in the north. And then three other subs as well. We took a while to get acclimated into it to realize each other's tendencies again and how they're going to throw and 
one of our guys, it was his first ever elite tournament. Two of the other ones, it was their second ever. So getting them still used to the whole elite aspect of it, they picked up really quick uh, in Eric Nelson, Casey Bielek, and Bryce Balin that they still managed to make plays for us and get everything together. Since it was. Heck yeah. Well, it's the only time I'll say it, so enjoy it, but fire up. <laughs> Wait, what was that? <laughs> They're all hey. uh, Central Michigan players. Oh, okay. NCDA. Gotcha. They they definitely ended up being a, a big help for us throughout the long run, and I think they're going to do good things in Elite once, you know, everything gets together for them. But I'm super glad they could come out and play, and I'm just looking forward to having a full, healthy roster for Nationals. Yeah, I, it's, it's uh, kind of what I said with with, uh, with Mark, is, and Riley, it's, it's just really cool to see what's, what the North is going to bring to Nationals. Um, and that I'm going to echo that with all the other regions, too. It's just... Uh, everything's tightened up at this point and people are going to be bringing hopefully healthy full rosters with their a game for nationals and it's hopefully just going to be a battle every single match without any teams to snooze on and um i mean it's just this is the best kind of dodgeball you could ever ever hope for all right so one thing that i noticed um kind of taken off by well not taken off, i was just thrown off uh queen of the court um what, what exactly was that so we had uh, 10 women sign up, and we did Queen of the Court style. And for those who are not aware of Queen of the Court, essentially you have a different teammate each round. And you play as if, you know, that's been your team the whole time trying to secure the win. And let's say Grant and Mark are a team and Riley and I are a team. And in round one, Riley and I win, but Grant and Mark lose. We currently both have one win to our name. And then mm. when we switch and Riley and Grant play Mark and I, Mark and I lose and Riley and Grant win. Grant or Mark, uh, Riley has two wins to his name now. Grant has one. Mark has zero. I have one. And whoever at the end of this tournament has the most wins to their name is the queen or the king of the court. Uh, we ended up having a two-way tie in literally every single stat possible that we took. <laughs> at the end of round robin. So we had a one-on-one face-off between Margarita and uh, Jessica, and Jessica ended up taking it in the best of three. She had two really clutch catches to secure it and ended up being our first ever queen of the court. Nice. And so this this was doubles, two-on-two? Two? Yes. And was it uh, same dimensions as a regular elite court, or was it like showdown where you're basically fighting against each other in a bowling alley? It was basically... A uh, slightly wider version of Showdown, okay. and it was with no sting. Um, super fun, just three balls, you know, one on each side, and then a burn ball in the middle. And we we ran through it pretty quickly. I'm um, shout out to Tanya Kaiser, Lauren Dwyer, and Kat Takeda for definitely helping us get all this stuff together. I know Mark messaged me at like 11:30 at night before uh, round three and was like, "Hey, we're gonna run clean to the court, but Colin and Tony might need help." can you guys figure this out? I was like, sure, we got this. Hmm, nice. And we ended up writing up writing up the tournament schedule, figuring out all the stats and everything, tracking through everything, and got it done. Worked out. Nice. And Jessica Jordan was one that prevailed? Yes, from uh, St. Louis Storm. Gotcha. Cool. So this is kind of like a... It was like a hope to just establish more interest um, to ultimately get into like a women's division down the road. I'm, I'm thinking that's what the point was. Yep, that's basically our whole goal is to be able to run 4v4 next year and then eventually 6-on-6. Six six. Um, 
it's a personally a great basis, especially coming from being the only girl in the Michigan region for years. It's so nice to see other women <laughs> in the North playing. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's very few of you guys. I mean, the only people that come to mind right now are Tanya, yourself, Paige. Um, I keep wanting to see Ashley Cook for some crazy reason, but I know she's not. She's East. Well, she's back now. She's. I think she's back in Minnesota. So. Oh my God! You can't do that, Ashley. Just want to think. I know where somebody's at, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just like it's a rotation of like those four or five names. So, hopefully, you know, next year we'll be talking about um, maybe it's three versus three. Maybe there's a full-on division. I mean, without getting to too much of a, a tangent, that's how South started last year with uh, I think it was like a couple teams of four v four. Now they actually have a division. So. Hopefully um, that that's a good step in the right direction. And then kind of speaking towards that would be, I think, the co-ed no-sting division. And just kind of talking offline, I, I don't think um, Riley or you, Rebecca, have much to say about it. But um, please feel free to chime in. But Mark, if you have any comments on no-sting, we can kind of just cover that real quick just because it's brand new. Um, I'm looking at Task Force White, Task Force Blue. Is that, was that what TF White, TF Blue means? Correct. So how, how did that go down for you guys? Uh, was it was it? Have you played no sting before? Like was it? Uh, I don't want to say was it like I a, had uh, played no sting at nationals a couple what two and three years ago, Boston and New Orleans with Kraken, and uh, we had done surprisingly well, top ten finishes both times for a team that only decided to pick up no sting balls at nationals. Uh, outside of like UDC when we were playing that. So getting to play no sting again, like I had a lot of fun playing it. Uh, I think the tournament flowed really well. Uh, shout out to Tanya again, who helped Colin and Tony kind of run the no sting side of the court where we kind of were off in the old gym at Concordia university, a little, a little bit separated from the three pinch courts. Uh, but I think everything ran smoothly, and it it was it was a lot of fun to play play no sting. Were you were definitely you on... less uh, pain on the body? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I hurt my fingers more on no sting than any other ball, knock on wood, so far. But that's my only complaint. Uh, no sting is, I mean, it's it's not rubber, it's not foam, it's it's eh. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's interesting. Um, are you, were you on Task Force White or Task Force Blue, or what team were you on? I ca- I kind of took the captain role of Task Force White. We kind of threw gotcha. all eight of our names into a random team sorter online, and just that's how we split it up. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, and it's it's nothing to again. I don't want to dis- dismiss this division, but um, when I was looking at it earlier, I saw like okay, it looks like one team kind of did what you said. They're, they just kind of split up to just make this division happen. But I think uh, we're kind of talking about whether or not this would be like a viable division in the future. So I'll have to maybe talk with Eric offline to see if this meant his his intent. But uh, do, do you think based on this, and this is purely your opinion, this will be something that we'll see uh, in the future for, for next year? Like an actual no-sting co-ed division? Like- yeah, I think it's uh, viable in the future. And I, and I think of, uh, it's going to help the growth of the of a women's division possibly to a four on four next year as well uh and if it does help in that aspect i think you could see even a couple more teams uh 
I, I think that what we saw this past weekend is that the North can survive playing Pinch and Koa and Nosting at the same time. I don't think it needs to be one or the other. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people on the pinch side, especially Riley, will, will appreciate that. Not making them choose between the two; it can be both. It can coexist. <clears throat> to speak on that, um, I think one of the other things that were that was being pushed for, um, well, no sting in general, of course, was being pushed for, um, but more like an open uh, no sting. I don't know if that's something that will ever develop um, just because they wanted to keep it consistent with the co-ed but that was something that there were talks about um, basically doing like an open Um, but I agree I like having the new faces I like having the growth of a potential women's division um, here in the north and I think co-ed will definitely help that and I totally agree with Trapetti in regards to the coexisting I think everyone came out of that round, you know, having a good time and feeling like that was something that could absolutely happen uh, in future North rounds, having all three. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like I said, it, it's something that we might be able to look forward to, and it could build into a full-on women's division. It could build into a stronger co-ed division. You can keep pinch, keep open. Um, it's just one of those things where can it be, is it like a matter of logistics? Is it interest? Um, there's a whole bunch of talk about how the NCDA needs to feed into elite. There's all kinds of debates about that, but I mean, I'm sure when I look at this, um, it, it kind of sounds just like how I was looking at the South with the women's division. Just, it was, it was kind of like, let's just go through the motions. Let's make this happen. Next thing you know, one year later, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. So curious to see what we'll be uh, next year with round three talking about maybe an actual no sting division and then i'll have to do the thing where i'm splitting these uh recaps into 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 two episodes because there's just so much to cover but um yeah i mean it's it looks like boosh one i, I want to say based off of the facebook feeds um and I, yeah four oh yeah i and it could get into that, uh, but I just, I mean, I'm looking at Boosh's lineup and I, I, don't, I don't think they're any stranger to, I mean, they, they play foam. Um, I don't know what their experience with nosing is, but um, I, I just figured, like, I'm not surprised, in other words, and that's not to bash any of the other teams. Um, it, it's just one of those things like, oh, okay, yeah, Boosh won. Um, before we uh, move on from nosing, though, was there anything that you wanted to add, Mark or Grant, about that division that stood out? Ah, uh, that catch was a, a pretty big moment. Oh, yeah. um, That's uh, he's uh, fiance. Uh, that was unexpected, and you know she held her ground and and made the catch. Uh, so that was huge, and and like I said, unexpected, and the gym went nuts. And this is uh the soon to be Mrs. Lusky, Jacob's fiance. Was that is that who that was? It yes, it is Elizabeth Ann totally creeping on Facebook right now. So just to make sure I got so that's what Facebook <laughs> says. <laughs> that's fantastic. Per Facebook. So, um, and I, yeah, I'm actually like I'm on the page. It's like, uh, Derek, it's Derek and Eric. Eric's out. He's angry. Yeah, I think, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. Um, we just don't have like that established, uh, female player base, I guess, that, uh, in comparison to, like, the West Coast, essentially. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that develops. We can get a little more competition um, in the no sting area. But I like that, you know, it's it was refreshing. I really felt like it was very refreshing uh, to play that uh, as opposed to pinch. And I do enjoy pinch as well. Uh, like Riley said earlier, I, I grew up on that, you know, from DePaul. That was pretty much my first uh, introduction, you know, going into a DePaul practice and seeing people digging their fingers into the ball and throwing a lot harder. And I'm like, what the heck is that? So I'm doing it and it just feels better to be able to throw the ball a lot harder when you're doing that. Um, so, of course, it does have a, a soft spot in my heart, too. Um, but I enjoy no sting. You know, I, I played in Sin City, um, which is a great tournament. That's no sting. Uh, and it's it's just refreshing. It is refreshing to have uh, something new. Uh, and uh, like I said, to be able to see those new faces and, and really see how this is going to grow. Because this is the first time we're doing it. So uh, I'd like to see what would happen uh, in a second, third, or, or a fourth time that we're doing this division. For sure. Yeah, it'd be really cool to go back to this episode too. And then be like, oh yeah, yeah we, we were so uh, optimistic or, you know, whatever we're saying about now, we're kind of hopefully talk, painting a, a picture of the future. But um, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, if, if the divisions do grow, I have no problem, you know, recapping them in, in separate episodes like I do for the other regions that are a little, little heavier. But, uh, you know, just in the interest of time, uh, because it's we're, we're creeping on to midnight for you guys and also about the hour half mark, um, do you want to go ahead and start wrapping up? And um, not sure if Riley or Grant, if you guys are, are tracking this, but there's been this debate on what's better, pizza versus taco. So if you had to choose a favorite, starting with you, Riley, uh, what are you? Are you team pizza or team taco? I'm team pizza. That's no doubt. Nice. I don't even got to think about that one. Just already ready for that answer. that's just like it's just that's a reactionary answer should know better (laughs) yeah pizza's the best thing ever thank you i agree i agree wholeheartedly die sean anderson this one's tough for me um i'm mexican and italian so this is like the best of both worlds here um and i know spots to get really good of each uh here in chicago especially uh-huh. Yeah, that's, a, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, make the right choice, Grant. Yeah, I know. Right right All right. <laughs> Goodness. Honestly, probably since I'm such a big fan of like bread <laughs> in general, probably pizza. My man. Um, can't go wrong with either. There's times when I'm really craving a taco more than anything in the world, but. If I really have to make a choice, probably pizza. I mean, pizza is just, just, just I can't say anything bad about it. I, like, even the crappiest pizza out there, it's still really good. I, I just, uh, yeah, pizza, pizza needs to win this debate. And I thank you both for making the right choice. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna thank you, Eric. You, you gave me some good references here. Well, um, well, cool guys. I mean, like I said, I, I, I really just want to be respectful of your time. I, I could talk dodgeball for, for hours on end. Clearly I've done so. This is probably like episode 90. I don't know, whatever, um, since I've been doing this. So thank you guys so much. Um, Steve real quick. Yeah, sure. Go I ahead. just want to give one shout out, uh, both to Colin O'Brien and Tony Stumpo for like their first, first full year kind of co-directing the North. I think they did a great job, uh, taking over for Glenn and keeping things running smoothly. So just wanted to make sure I got that out here. Report that claim from Mark. 
do appreciate that and they're doing a great job as well I yeah agree. thank you for saying that um that's one thing i actually keep forgetting to ask and that was like who's in charge now because glenn being you know living in la now so colin o'brien and tony stone both taking up the mantle they're doing a great job to keeping the north uh, afloat logistically obviously with the help of other people but they're they're the main like wardens of the north now yeah they wardens are of the north <laughs> awesome yeah i'm a huge game of thrones nerd so yeah aren't we all we should be team pizza and game of thrones that's all i ask um awesome well very cool guys um i think what we'll do is we'll just go ahead and end the interview there all right so that was recap of the elite dodgeball north round three uh tournament that took place on saturday june 22nd and a uh, huge shout out and thank you to the panelists for, for staying up late and uh, just being with me the whole time to talk about dodgeball, especially Rebecca and Mark for, for making it uh, since I think like round one or two of last year. And huge thank you and shout out also to Michael Riley and to, to Grant for, for being willing to just kind of come on last minute with like a day or two notice. Um, it's always great to have a different uh, different personality or different individual to kind of come on here and, and talk about their perspective. So as much as I like consistency, consistency with the panelists, uh, I do like the variety as well. So if you are listening and you're interested in uh, either coming on yourself or, or you have uh, recommendations for the people, um, I am, I'm more than open to it. Uh, I by no means think I know everything, nor do I know everyone. So whatever can help me give uh, a more well-rounded recap of these events, I'm always down to, to listen for. Also, thank you, uh, Cody, for the shout out on, on Bizzle. Uh, I, I love just, again, having opportunities to talk about other people and, and give the players and the plays, the, uh, the attention that they deserve. Um, I, I'm hoping that the survey tool helps. Um, I'll definitely be a little more proactive next time for kicking that out there, but it's definitely another opportunity to just, uh, just, uh, hear about what people are doing. So, um, congratulations to notorious for taking 8.5 open dynasty for taking pinch and boost for taking the first ever co-ed no sting divisions. And also congratulations to boost for taking 8.5 overall. Uh, I'm really excited to see what uh, what the North brings to nationals, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to say that about South, East, and West. But I, but I do mean it. It's it's getting to the point where I think uh, maybe the West may not be so powerful anymore. We'll see. I might eat those words, um, but I'm just I'm just I'm loving the um, the fact that there are just more teams now that that have a chance. So. With that all being said, um, I do want to apologize for kind of breezing through this one. Um, I think moving forward for around for, for North anyway, we'll probably be doing what we've been doing for the East, South and West. And that's basically breaking that up into, uh, two separate parts, uh, for, for recaps. But, um, as long as it's growing, I will more than happily adapt. But, uh, anyway, if you're still listening, um, have a great rest of your evening, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. Alright, so if you guys are ready, uh, we'll go ahead and begin in three, two, one. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be recapping the uh, North Regional Round 3, um, and I guess we'll just dive right into it. Uh, here joining me today is guys that up big time. Um, who signed off? Did we lose somebody? Grant, my, no? Something moved and it completely threw my concentration off. Sorry guys.
I like swiped a notification up, so I might have just glitched it for a second. Well, you just broke me, so thank you. 